What Makes a Great Leader? In the podcast series, 12 O'Clock High, a podcast on business leadership, I explore this topic with Richard Lummis. We take a look at examples from history, from business, from current events, and even from the movies. If you're interested in all in business leadership, whether you're a CEO or whether you're a middle manager, this is the podcast series for you. We take a look at presidents and everyone in between. I hope you will check us out. 12 o'clock high. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. Welcome to this episode of Compliance Into the Weed. In this episode, Matt and I take a deep dive into the recent DOJ announcement of the Procurement Collusion Strike Force. Some of the highlights include why was the PCSF created? What will it focus on? What is the role of the Antitrust Division? What does the funding or lack thereof mean for enforcement going forward? What did the two twin DOJ announcements of the PCFS portend? What are procurement red flags? And for all you compliance practitioners out there, what does this mean for compliance going forward? It's a fascinating discussion of something that has literally been announced in the past week. It's something that every compliance professional needs to be cognizant of because of not only the task force, but also the Department of Justice's call for whistleblowers and other reporters to step forward to assist the task force going forward. Compliance Into the Weeds is a production on the Compliance Podcast Network and a proud member of C-Suite Radio. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, the Compliance Evangelist, back together with Matt Kelly, the coolest guy in compliance. And today we're going to take up the Procurement Collusion Strike Force, no doubt in anticipation of the upcoming Star Wars movie, or perhaps about compliance. So Matt, where are you today and what are you up to? Uh, today, actually, I am back in the United States, Tom, uh, in New York City for a few uh, events uh, later on this week, including one that uh, will be about compliance officers trying to get to serve on public company boards. So that might be fodder for a future podcast. But uh, like you said, right now, I am all about this procurement strike task force that uh, the Justice Department is throwing together. This is just going to be awesome. And what all this means for procurement compliance. So uh, you want to tell us what the DOJ announced last week? Yeah, so they they did announce this uh, strike force. It has its own name, the Procurement Collusion Strike Force, uh, which you said there, the PCSF which now even has its own website, which is up and running, and which, compliance officers take note, uh, it is available for the public to submit their tips to this new strike force about what they think might be procurement and collusion misconduct happening out there. Um, But this was a big show that the Justice Department uh, put on last week where they had Maykan Del Rahim. He is head of the Antitrust Division. They had Jeffrey Rosen, the Deputy Attorney General, Uh, They had a press conference. They had statements. They've got a website. They've got all sorts of big plans. So um, what struck me was that I heard a lot of the same sort of tone and language about who the victims are of collusion and bid rigging and contract fixing and that this is not a victimless crime, that there is misjustice or maladministration of, of public procurement that happens here. And it sounded an awful lot to me like the same sort of rhetoric you might hear for FCPA compliance. And one can't help but wonder what this might mean for procurement compliance like five years from now 
if this is the same sort of echoes that we're hearing. But that, that is, in a nutshell, what happened last week. So lots of, uh, first of all, for those listening to this podcast, please imagine the Star Wars theme in the background. If it wasn't copyrighted, I would be playing it now because of the uh, strike force um, that's moving through the procurement universe now away from the Death Star, perhaps to the Death Star. Uh, nevertheless, um, a couple of things that struck me, Matt, that, that you uh, touched on. One is really the, the compliance practitioner, the compliance component of this. Uh, the DOJ signaled uh, that um, they're going to be looking at, at data, and that's mm-hmm. not new. They've told us that in the past, but it, re- it reemphasizes the point they started with which was, well, gosh, if we in the government are, are using data analytics, you and companies better. But if, if we could move perhaps away from that or, or past that or evolve past that a little bit to, yeah, this is just a good way to run, the, run your business. And whether that business is looking at companies, uh, looking at data for anomalies to discover fraud, or whether it's looking at anomalies to discover inefficient business processes, it seemed to me that the government is, is really communicating this is the way uh, to move forward, whether you think it's an enforcement reason or not. Well, yeah, that's true. That did stand out to me when they talked about their use of data analytics. And one thing that I have actually been thinking about, I haven't written about it yet, but you know, I do have a couple of thoughts that we could talk about is, so what would a procurement analytics program look like? So if compliance officers or internal auditors are thinking, I need to build this capability, what would you want to do? This could actually be one of those scenarios where the government might have better data or better access to data than you if you are not thinking through what this would actually mean. And so I'll give you an example is uh, one way that collusion happens would be um, what the anti-fraud people call the bid rotation scheme. So, Tom, you and I are competitors, and we have this informal agreement that I will bid the appropriate price on a contract this year, you bid on the next one next year, and we go back and forth. And so there might be several different companies all taking their turns as we rotate the winning bid among us. Well, if you, the the government, would be able to analyze that, because they're always going to know who won the bid. You don't necessarily know if you're a company, well, who did win the bid. You only knew that you lost. Now, I know a lot of salespeople, and I know many of them are very diligent about um, entering in details like, we bid this, we then uh, heard about this other rumor here, and we topped it off, we added this other stuff. And many of them will say, we lost the bid, and we found that we lost it to X over there. But if your sales company, if your sales team is not recording details like, who won the bid when it wasn't us, you might not necessarily be able to understand which bids you're winning and which ones you're losing. And you wouldn't necessarily know that you're part of a bid rotation scheme, but the Justice Department would because they know who wins every single time. They know everything about who did bid and who we turned down and who we won. So there is these dynamics in data analytics that we need to think through about um, how would a procurement fraud actually work Therefore, what data would we want to know to be able to figure it out? And are we collecting that data? And of course, by we, we mean not the compliance team, somebody else in sales or I don't know where, they're going to be collecting it. Are you on board with that? Have you talked to them about that? These are the sort of capabilities we're going to need to think about 
as uh, we think about procurement compliance. But it was really interesting to see. That was one of the big themes from um, uh, Assistant Attorney General Del Rahim was uh, you know, data analytics. They're going to do that. So now listening to you describe that, it really it reinforced to me that uh, every company should be doing that um, just to determine their own business efficiencies going forward. Um, as you mentioned, the Department of Justice has set up a, a, we- a website on this. And as part of the website, they have a section entitled Red Flags of Collusion. And they actually go through with some detail and list those using something they call a four-part MAPS, M-A-P-S analysis, which stands for Market Applications, Patterns, and Suspicious Behavior. And I would yep. uh, suggest that every compliance practitioner who um, is listening to this podcast take a look at this. I've linked to uh, the website in our show notes because it really gives you a good way to think through the use of data analytics in any compliance program, whether it be an antitrust compliance program, whether it be an anti-corruption compliance program, whether it be trade sanction or anti-money laundering. And this is a level of detail uh, we typically have not seen, at least from the fraud section uh, or the FCPA unit. So perhaps we're going to get more information along these lines uh, from the government moving forward. Uh, you know, we might, and Tom, I should add that I, I did not yet go to the website. I have not yet heard of MAPS. But um, if you search procurement fraud data analytics on Google, you'll get a zillion results. And there are a lot of people who have put a lot of thought into procurement fraud because companies are often the, the biggest victim of procurement fraud themselves. So if you're listening and you feel out of your depth, like your internal audit team or your fraud risk analysis uh, team, your audit consulting firm that you might use, they have people who have thought about this. Uh, There are whole libraries uh, dissecting how procurement fraud works and what sort of data you might want to get at. Clearly, the Justice Department is already thinking about it, and that's impressive. Um, But there's a lot of resources out there. If you look for it, you'd be able to find some pretty good expertise in short order. Now, let me take a question perhaps in a different way. And this really comes from uh, Miller and Chevalier put out a client alert on this. And one of the points they raised was, or questions, I should say, is this a re-signaling or a signaling of the DOJ's renewed focus on antitrust crimes? Uh, They note that uh, overall numbers in the antitrust divisions, uh, criminal prosecutions had dropped recently. And is this a situation where a solution is simply trying to find a problem or is really something else going on? You know, that's an excellent question because is it a solution in search of a problem? No. Procurement fraud is a big problem. You know, billions and billions of dollars a year in just in U.S. government contracting alone is somehow fraudulent. Um, and that has been researched and studied many times. Like procurement fraud is a problem. Um, what I was interested in was um, when I first had a post about this, somebody said, this is the FCPA all over again, except now procurement. Well, yes and no. I think it's important to remember the FCPA is prosecuted through one team, the fraud section, in one office, in the Justice Department, and that's it. A U.S. attorney does not prosecute FCPA cases. On the other hand, um, these procurement Strike Force is working, is the antitrust division working with U.S. attorneys and the FBI and inspector generals from the Postal Service and the Government Administration or Government Services Administration. Like they are building a capability 
for procurement fraud prosecution generally across the entire country. They're starting with 13 U.S. attorneys right now. You know there are going to be more. That's not how we handle the FCPA. So I kind of wonder if there is a um, distinction in antitrust here that the big antitrust stuff when, you know, like two gigantic behemoths want to merge, then antitrust in Washington, that section, that gets involved. But they don't really handle bid rigging and collusion. That would be farmed out to a U.S. attorney. Um, so maybe the antitrust division will handle big, sexy cases like the FCPA is handled just by the fraud section. But there's a whole other realm of, of like, you know, I'll just say penny ante um, contract uh, fixing and bid rigging and collusion that goes on all the time all over the place. And clearly they are trying to build up that capability to prosecute that across all the U.S. attorneys. The, the first 13 offices are only the first 13. There's going to be more. Um, but I would not say this is a solution in search of a problem. Bid rigging and procurement fraud is a big problem. So we had the release in July, I believe, of the uh, antitrust divisions, a criminal corporate compliance program. And that was a uh, seen as a, as a fairly big development for antitrust um, compliance going forward. Here we have the antitrust division really leading this effort. This is not in fraud. This is in in bid rigging and and things that have traditionally been uh, prosecuted by the antitrust division uh, with the antitrust division's uh, new emphasis on cooperation and perhaps giving credit to companies both in the initial decision to charge or or bring an action rather and then in a charging phase. Could this be something that companies really want to consider a self-disclosure around even recognizing the potential consequences of uh, of a criminal action. I mean, I, I would say yes, you should. And I, I, I mean, this is just me kind of speculating and gaming things out here. But if the department is going to give cooperation credit and give credit for compliance programs generally, um, which they had historically not done. Um, if they're going to do that for more companies instead of just the first one who blows the whistle on everybody else, well, bid rigging and contract collusion, um, like it's easier for me to see how that could happen without a lot of the senior executives' knowledge. That's like two assistant vice presidents of sales schmoozing up at a bar at a trade co- show conference, and they decide to fix a, a contract or do some sort of bid rotation. And you might never know about it. And that's not necessarily your fault. And I could see the wisdom in giving companies more credit for a compliance program because this type of antitrust action, bid ringing, um, collusion, contract fixing, this is different than Facebook deliberately buying Instagram to put a potential competitor out of business or people conspiring to raise prices on consumers. Um, I I could see why that they're trying to do this, but it does seem to me to all fit together as a whole that the Justice Department is focusing more on encouraging cooperation, helping the prosecutors get these cases prosecuted, and um, less on whacking companies with a big stick because that's really just going to make them much more reticent to step forward. Focus more on the carrot. Um, you know, the, like I said in my original post, the strike force is clearly showing there's still a stick. You still need to think about it, but 
all of the um, greater credit for having a compliance program and urging cooperation. That's that's a carrot. And we've seen that with the FCPA. Now we're seeing it with antitrust. It's not terribly surprising given the, the Republican nature of the Justice Department right now. So it is what it is. So having identified, uh, and I believe correctly identified procurement fraud and procurement corruption uh, as a as a real problem with this a new initiative, do you see um, uh, a more aggressive antitrust division and a more aggressive Justice Department in this area, or is this maybe something different? Um, I I would not necessarily say it's more aggressive antitrust division or Justice Department in Washington, but we're going to introduce U.S. attorneys who, of course, always see vigorous prosecution as a very nice stepping stone to higher office. Um, If you are a U.S. attorney who wants to run for Senate or state attorney general or governor or something like that, vigorous prosecution in the name of the public always makes you look good. So if I were going to watch any one of the players on stage, uh, I would be watching your local U.S. attorney to see if they're going to, you know, kind of sink their teeth into this bone and, uh, you know, shake it around and try and get some headlines. It's a time-honored thing for U.S. attorneys to do, and that hasn't changed. Could we flip maybe the discussion around from the government slash regulator side over to the corporate compliance officer side? And you talked about uh, some of the things, red flags, that a corporate compliance officer needs to uh, either consider visibility into transactions they may want. But there are any other steps that really come to your mind that a compliance officer could take uh, based on these announcements or at least initiate an internal uh, conversation inside the company? Well, if I were counseling a compliance officer, I would definitely advise them to find somebody who knows more about bid rigging and procurement fraud than you do and a a fraud specialist and ask them what are the sort of analytic techniques we could use to try and identify this and then revisit your own sales policies and procedures and data collection to make sure are we collecting all the data that we would want to be able to do whatever sort of fraud analysis our expert is telling us to do Um, That's probably enough for three or four months at least to just focus on trying to figure that out. Um, I don't necessarily think that it would be news to salespeople that conspiring to fix a contract is probably not a good idea. Um, Still, you know, sure, we can go through all the usual about let's have appropriate training and all of that. But I think this is more about building your own capability for risk assessments. Um, Tom, there's one other issue here that I have on my mind that I have not seen anybody address yet, and I wanted to put it either to you or to the listeners. Somebody help us out here. So here's my question. Could some sort of infraction along these lines lead to a civil books and records enforcement from the SEC? Because I was struck that when they had their big press conference last week, with all of these regulator representatives up on stage. The SEC was not there. Um, On the other hand, the books and records provision of the FCPA, yes, I know that we try and use it in many ways, and there are people who say that the SEC uses it too liberally. I'm not exactly sure. I'm trying to envision a scenario where bid rigging would somehow trigger an accusation of poor internal controls over financial reporting, and now you've got a civil violation. I just haven't thought about it yet. I don't know. But 
I'm putting it out there, Tom, for you or anybody else. If you have a good answer to this, could this lead to an SEC civil enforcement action? I would love to know the answer to that question. So, Matt, I'm going to actually ask if I can ponder on that, and maybe we can take that specific question into the weeds in the subsequent episode. Fine with me. Well, Matt, uh, once again, a a great uh, discussion of something that literally is – I can't say it's ripped from the headlines because it did come out last week, but it's still prescient. And every uh, the one thing I did get from your blog post is every compliance practitioner needs to pay attention to this and they yep. need to think about it. So um, I think we're going to be talking about this going forward. All right. Thank you, Tom. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Compliance in the Weeds. If you have an opinion on the question Matt posed about whether the SEC would become involved in enforcement around procurement fraud, please shoot Matt or I an email at Matt Kelly at Radical Compliance or M. Kelly at RadicalCompliance.com or me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. I hope you'll join Matt and I again next week where we pick up another topic into the weeds. Compliance into the weeds is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network and a proud member of C Suite Radio. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.